Amen. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Amen. Stand on your feet as we prepare to enter into praise and worship. And remember all the things that God has done for us in 2018. You glad to be here tonight? Let the Lord know it. Yes, indeed. Our scripture this evening is going to be from the prophet Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verses 15 through 21. Let us read it together. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. Amen. We shall declare his praise because the God is good all the time. Well, you know what I'm hearing, I'm hearing like he's good to one or two of you, but I see more than one or two. The Lord deserves a bigger praise than one or two. He deserves bigger than a lazy praise. He, he deserves a hearty praise because he's worthy of all our praise. Psalmist says that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. So tonight we're going to be praising him all throughout the service. We got some preaching, some testimonies, and some praising because God has taken care of us 365 days. That's a lot of days. That's a lot of hours, a lot of minutes. And a lot of seconds. God did that for you. So you ought to praise him. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray. God, we come right now to thank you for all your goodness, God. We come right now to lift up your holy name and to praise you with everything that we have. Because you are a God that is worthy of all our praise. We thank you today, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you that you have blessed us from January 1st. To December 31st. Thank you for all your blessings down through the months and the days, Lord. Things could have been worse, but you have made them better because we are here in the house of prayer. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings. Now bless our time right now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Every praise is to our God. Are you excited to be here tonight? Hallelujah. Yes, it's December 31st, 2018. We give God all the glory, all the honor for bringing us all the way. Come on, put your hands together. And that same excitement of being in the building. The word says every praise, the song lyrics say, every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise. Every praise is to our God. So we're going to rock in one accord tonight. We're going to clap on one accord tonight. Come on. Everybody say, listen. Every praise 
is to our God. You know it. Every word of worship with one accord.
Somebody open your mouth and give God praise tonight. How many of you know that God is worthy of our praise? Come on, one more time, clap your hands and open your mouth and give God praise. Come on, clap your hands with us, everybody. Everybody clap your hands, come on. Song says, Lord, you're worthy and we give you the praise. Always making a way and we give you the praise. Let's go, y'all. Lord, you're worthy. And we give you And we give you the praise Lord you're worthy Lord Oh! 
Clap your hands, everybody. Glory to Jesus. Can we just spend a moment in worship tonight? If you would, just lift your hands, open your mouth, and let's all honor our Father tonight, giving praise and glory for allowing us to come down to the end of another year. He is so awesome and he's great and greatly to be praised. We love him, we praise him, and we worship him tonight. He is worthy of our worship. Hallelujah. Come on, can we sing this together, everybody? Our hearts cry. Our hearts cry. Be magnified. Be magnified. In this your holy temple, in this your holy place, and we will rise, and we will rise to Zion's heights, to Zion's heights, to praise and glorify, to praise and glorify. Unify. Come on, let's take unison, everybody. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we praise. Oh, how we worship. Oh, how we worship. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. And oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we worship. Oh, how we worship. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. One more time from the top, everybody. Our hearts cry, our hearts cry, be magnified, be magnified in this your holy temple, in this your holy temple, in this your holy place, in this your holy place, and we will rise, we will rise to Zion's heights, to praise and glorify. Unified. Oh, how we love you, Saint. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we worship. Oh, how we worship. Oh, Lord. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we praise you. Worship. Come on, let's take it up, y'all.
Listen, before you take your seats, if you would, greet as many of your brothers and sisters as you can. Welcome them to worship tonight. tonight in the grace peace joy and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ love to the family thank God for his love that we can share with one another come on if you're glad God brought you to the end of 2018 getting ready to go into 2019 yeah you ought to make a joyful noise on tonight to our streaming audience thank you for being with us on tonight whether you are near or far in Houston or around the country, around the world, thank you for joining us in our celebration tonight, our watch night service celebration. You know, I was reading uh, over the history of watch night in this country, and it's interesting that so many people take it back to 1863 when uh, slaves were waiting, coming out of 1862, 
to celebrate the freedom promised in the Emancipation Proclamation. But I submit to you that watch night was going on long before Abraham Lincoln decided to pen those words. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I was reminded of that this afternoon. Pastor Sloan sent me a message to uh, let me know that he was preaching in Ghana, Navrongo. He was preaching there, their watch night service. And I said to myself, well, they wasn't waiting for the Emancipation Proclamation. Watch night has been a tradition in the people of God to celebrate the faithfulness of God over the past year and to go into the new year believing that it was the best place to start the new year, to start it with your mind on the Lord. Amen. And we're grateful and thankful to God for God allowing our moments to roll on just a little while longer. Man, it's been a tough year for some. It's been a great year for others. It's been a a, a really, really difficult year for some. And I think there are a whole lot of us who are just ready to move on out of 2018. But I think the thing we need to leave here with tonight is the understanding that in order for us to get to that next level in our walk with God, we have to be willing to make that next level commitment to God. Uh, it's really not about God changing. Come on, somebody. It's really not about God changing. And it's really not about other folk changing. Because the only person you can really control some of the time is you. I'm not even going to say all the time, right? But, but you got the best chance in the world to control you, to change you. And you'd be surprised how many things will change around you when you learn how to change the person within you. And so we are excited tonight. Man, we've got some great preachers lined up, some great singing, and I'm looking forward to hearing some great testimonies. Uh, great to see all of those who are here with us, family members, as well as friends who are visiting with us. Pastor Gary Blackman is in the house. Come on, y'all say amen. Pastor Blackman, raise your hand. Back there, man, he's been a friend to me for many, many years, and I appreciate him so much in the work that he has done as a Houston firefighter and then uh, was the first official chaplain for the Houston Fire Department and ministered to the men and women who served this city so well. And I want you to know, Gary, I voted for Prop B. I want you to know, I just, I just want you to know I, I know, I knew what I was voting for. Amen. Mayor just going to have to figure it out, but I'm with, I'm with the firefighters. Because <laughs> when I call, if I, my house catch on fire, if I call the mayor, he ain't coming. I'm, I'm staying with the firefighters. Amen. That, that's just me. Now, the rest of y'all go with who you want to go with. But I'm with the firefighters. Listen, we're grateful to the Lord for all of you here tonight. Um, so here's our format tonight. We're going to have uh, a couple of preachers come, and then we're going to have some singing. We're going to sprinkle some testimonies in throughout the night because I want to hear the faithfulness of God in your life. And I think some other people need to hear the faithfulness of God in your life because it's through the testimonies of the saints that we can encourage one another. Um, you don't know what the person next to you is going through, has been through, or is about to go through. But your testimony to the faithfulness of God will encourage somebody tonight. Anybody, have you ever been helped by somebody else's testimony? Yeah, I, man, I've been blessed by somebody. I'm like, Lord, look at here. If you could do it for them, I know you can do it for me. 
And so we're looking forward to that on tonight. Now, our first uh, preacher up is a brother who has been here uh, not quite as long as I've been here, um, but he has been here now almost 20 years. Uh, he and his wife are a um, formidable ministry team. Um, their ministry uh, to prisons and to uh, men and women incarcerated um, has been going on for years prior to him coming to Good Hope. And he brought that ministry here with his wife and they've done a tremendous job. They were also not only the lead servants over our prison ministry, they were lead servants over the Christian workers for a season as well and taught and trained members of our church how to teach people uh, how to accept Jesus Christ into their lives and how to become part of this church family. And uh, we have watched them grow, watched their daughters grow here at this church into beautiful young Christian women. Uh, Sister Irma Jefferson, we watched God elevate her to become the first full-time female chaplain in Harris County prison system. Amen. Amen. And, and God has used her spirit and her uh, that's gift of discernment that she has to minister to women who come in to not just see them as people who have done something wrong, but to ask them the why behind the what and to minister to them in a very powerful way. And we're certainly grateful to see all that the Lord has done through her. Uh, that person is Reverend Solomon Jefferson. He will be our first preacher tonight. Amen. Amen. And then following him, Minister Justin Pouncil, our youth minister, will be sharing. Now, each of these preachers has 10 minutes. 10 minutes. That's what they have. Ten, everybody say 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And uh, if they have any, any trouble understanding the 10-minute limit, when I stand up, it's time to sit down. Amen. 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 And just in case any of them have any ideas about, will the Spirit tell me to go longer? That's a lie, because the Spirit told me to give you 10 minutes. <laughs> the Holy Ghost gave me 10 minutes. That's what the Holy Ghost said. Give him 10 minutes, because 10 minutes is long enough for you to say what the Lord has for you to say. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, I remember my, my, my first sermon, my first sermon I preached at my family home church. I didn't have 10 minutes. I actually had a full sermon time, but my sermon was about 10 minutes long. And I remember my mother apologizing to my late pastor. He said, Reverend, he, he, he really preaches longer than that normally. I don't know what happened. She said, oh, well, I like what the young man had to say. I just wish he had said more of it, you know. And uh, he let me come on back. But we're looking forward to hearing um, what these uh, brothers have to say to us on tonight. So put your hands together and join me in welcoming Reverend Solomon Jefferson as he comes to share what God has given him on tonight. I think I missed that text that said 10 minutes. Well, how y'all doing this evening? Y'all doing all right? 
I got a question I kind of I, I want to ask you. Uh, in your quest for happiness, in your quest for fulfillment and finding meaning in your life, how's it working out for you? Is it working out okay? That's good. Well, I imagine for some people there may be some frustrations along the way. I imagine for some people you may be trying to find that happiness. I imagine for some of you that you tried several things and several people, several relationships and several toys and maybe went from job to job trying to find meaning, trying to find happiness, trying to find fulfillment. Well, I know a guy that tried that. And I got to tell you, this guy, he really had some bank. I mean, there was nothing he couldn't do because he had plenty of cash to do it with. And all his exploration of all his trying to do his research and trying to find his happiness and trying to find fulfillment, he can only come to one conclusion. Out of all that, he said, vanities of vanities. He's a preacher, you know. But he said, vanities of vanity. All is vanity. He said, what does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Now, I think we can all be in agreement that most of the time, most people are not open and receptive to that of wise counsel. No matter what you tell them, uh, you try to lead them in direction, hoping that they won't run into that wall. But, and you give your best because from your own life experiences, you just know what the end go be. But no matter what you say, it still doesn't stop them. Because sometimes you wonder, with all the hardships and all the pain and all the suffering, is life really worth living? See, Solomon was known as the most wisest man that had ever lived. And when he was a young man, God came to him, God appeared to him and asked him a question, asked him, what is it that you desire? And Solomon was response that he, was that he wanted wisdom. He wanted to have an understanding heart. He wanted to be able to discern between good and evil. And I find that most interesting because, you see, Solomon was about to ascend the throne. And his father, David, was giving him some words of wisdom. And his father said to him that he was to keep the commandments and the statutes and all the ordinances and decrees that are written in the law of Moses. And God, when he answered Solomon's prayer to give him wisdom, he also said to him the same thing that his father said to him. He gave him a charge to keep all the decrees and statutes that are written in the law of Moses. And so I began to ask myself a question, what's the significance of that? And I come to realize in Deuteronomy chapter 4, it, 
Moses saying to the people of Israel, he said, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God had commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of. Keep them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. God gave Solomon wisdom, but the significance of the law I come to realize is scripture and it's God's wisdom to man to help him, to establish him, to lead him in the way of righteousness until the true word who was to come into this world. See, God gave him wisdom. But the problem with Solomon was having was he was still trying to find the meaning of life. Through all his observation, through all his experimentation, the only thing he can come up with was vanities of vanities and all his vanities and striving after the wind. Solomon, the man who wrote, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths at the time in his life with not even following his own advice. See, the reality I think that Solomon was, 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 was struggling with, what he was trying to uh, 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 come to grips with, it was that he was trying to make sense out of the nonsense of living in a sin-cursed and fallen world. See, what Solomon was experiencing was a drudgery and all the frustration of a life that, that man experienced apart from the revelation of God. So no matter what he did, he couldn't find satisfaction. He couldn't find fulfillment. He couldn't find significance. He couldn't find meaning. He couldn't even find purpose. Because one of the things he get, began to realize that that nothing lasts. Not your work, not your pleasure, not your name, not your life. Because in the end, we all die. All he could see that God had given man an unhappy business to be busy with in this world. Solomon even found wisdom to be vanity in itself. Because in the end, he says, of wisdom, he said, the more wisdom, the more anguish. The more knowledge, the more sorrow. But even out of all of that, he did have, see some light. And the light that he saw that wisdom was profitable. It was more profitable than foolishness and that it can add to your life and that it can also preserve your life. But in the midst of his research, he was still trying to figure out why so much pain? Why so much suffering? Why so much corruption? And then if I think this is what finally came to him. Solomon said that God made things so that man may fear him. See, although Solomon was experiencing all that he was experiencing and trying to make nonsense out of the nonsense, uh, uh, sense out of nonsense of living in a sinful world, he come to realize that God made things so that man will fear him. 
See, that's why you can't make sense out of, out of, out of this world. God made things so that you would fear him. That's why you feel frustration and drudgery in this world. Because God made things that you may fear him. That's why you feel the way you feel, because you haven't been following God's word, but you've been following what? Your own word. You've been following what? Your own heart. And all you've been experiencing is vanity of vanity. All is vanity and striving to win. That's why you're so ready to throw up your sin and say, I just quit. I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. I'm out of here. I don't want no more of this marriage. I don't want no more of this relationship. I don't want none of this. I'm gone. Because why? It's just vanity of vanities and striving after win. You know, sometimes on my job, a conversation comes up, and it's usually about me. <laughs> I'm the old man on the job, and they all want to know how much longer I'm going to work there. As though my leaving going to give them that much seniority. And I tell them, I got plans. I have my plans. But one thing I realized about my plans is that they're not guaranteed. See, a lot of times on my job, everybody talk as though their thing is a sure thing. They talk as though they're they, going to be here tomorrow. And I tried to tell them. You don't have a say-so in the matter. God is the one who has, what, the last word. But I wonder why at times that God made things so. I used to wonder why he would allow you and why he would allow me to find frustration and, and to find pain and, and to find sorrow and emptiness and death even in all our activities. And he still comes back so that men may find him. When Solomon was about to go off the scene, you would almost think that he wasn't a believer. But one thing that comes out, that he really and truly was. Because he's an old man when he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. When he was young, he wrote the Song of Songs. When he was middle-aged, he wrote Proverbs. But now he's an old man, and he's trying to give us a word of wisdom. And his words are, remember your creator. Fear God and keep his commandments. Solomon was a believer. But he also know that we as believers can sometimes fall into the same trap. We sometimes as believers can what? Lose our sight. So here's the thing I want to ask you before I go. Because I'm looking at this clock. <laughs> in your quest for happiness and fulfillment, in your quest for finding meaning in life, I want you to realize that you won't find it in your activities under the sun. But you will find them in the Son, Jesus Christ. So what activities will you find yourself in this year? What will you look to this year to relieve the redundancy of life? Will you try a new relationship? Well, I suggest that you renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
when you purchase a new toy, well, I suggest you purchase a Bible and study to so you can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Will you look for a better paying job? Well, I suggest that you look for a good Bible study and a church home where you can serve and worship God. So if you are receptive to wise counsel that's given to us from, Sol from Solomon, I will hope that you will look to Christ and fear him. For he is the one who came and died that we may have a life truly worth living. Thank you. Pastor, I won't do that. Um, you, you know what? I'm going to do this for everybody. Y'all reset the clock. There's a clock up so they can see the clock. So I'm, I'm going to do this for everybody. This way to help them out with their time because I don't want them to waste time and protocol. So I need everybody to repeat after me. First, giving honor to God. <laughs> to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To the pastor of this church. I want to thank pastor for this opportunity. So glad to have my family here. All right, we, protocol has been established. All right, so when you get up here, use your 10 minutes to preach. Amen. Come on, y'all put your hands together for Minister Justin Pouncey. <laughs> y'all know I'm only being serious, right? Y'all know. So, it's real crazy how, Pastor, you don't mind if I walk around up here, do you? You know, I'm not the... Oh, I'm going to walk. I got, it's a 10.05 on that TV back there. And I'm going to walk and talk and I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to do. Amen. So, it's funny because yesterday as I was... Leaving church, Reverend Bell came in. Hey, brother, you know, can you preach tomorrow night? I'm like, now me, I'm looking at him like, so you just go throw this on me like less than 24 hours before I'm supposed to? Yeah, 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 you know, it's, you know, just, just let the Lord lead you. <laughs> you so right, uh, Reverend Bell. So, as I drove to get me something to eat and got home and was sitting on my bed, and I kind of just asked the Lord, what do you want me to tell your people? What do you want me to tell them going into 2019? And he told me, forget what's behind you. I don't think you heard me. <laughs> I don't think you heard me. See, there's some people in here that have been through a lot this year. Some people have had breakups, has lost a loved one, or in my case, switched cities. I mean, in a whole nother part of the United States of America but I am not, I'm forgetting what's behind me. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's the thing. So we're going to walk through this 
what Paul is trying to say to the church of Philippi. So we all know who Paul is, right? So we know that he was who? Saul. Come on now, my Bible study people in here. He was Saul. And what was he doing, though? He was persecuting, killing Christians. Okay? So first off, we all know that we ain't going to get no worse than that. Probably some of us have done some things. We've done some things. So no one in this passage is perfect. So this is what he says. Let's go to Philippians 3.12. So it says this. Not that I have already obtained, obtained this or am I already perfect. I have not already obtained this, nor am I perfect with this, okay? But I press on to make it my own. Now, let's stop right there. Let's put a, as some preachers say, let me put a pin in it right there. So, he wants to make it his own. He wants to know Jesus Christ in a way that he had never known him before. He wants, him, he wants to know Jesus in a way that in 2018, he wants to know him better in 2019. He's saying, I want somebody, he's like, I, I, I want myself to know Jesus Christ, and I want to have a better personal relationship with him because that's what I'm striving to do. Nobody in here is perfect. Nobody in here is perfect. But you know what? We all have another two thousand we have another year. We have 2019 right around the corner. So we all need to be striving. Striving towards Jesus Christ. Not not. You know. Jesus. I'm gonna keep on striving. To him. So then he says, make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He died on the cross for all of our sins, he's mine. He's he's mine. Does that make sense? So then he says this in 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straightening forward in what lies ahead of me, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of of God in Christ Jesus. So I got five minutes. And in this five minutes, I got two questions. Two. What are you going to do moving forward? What are you going to do moving forward in Jesus Christ? Not in the flesh, not in your own flesh, but in Jesus. My brother, who I actually just met tonight, Pastor Solomon, was talking about vanity. Vanity and all of this. Some of us need to let go of that vanity and strive on to what Jesus Christ has for us. We need to, some of us need to let some of that stuff go and let it not look back at it. We need to forget about it 
for somebody in here, they need to forget about their relationship. Somebody needs to forget about that relationship. That boyfriend or that girlfriend that treat, treated them the wrong way, that husband or that wife, forget about it and move on to what Jesus Christ has for you. Because here's the thing is that we have to continue this walk with Jesus Christ and we have to strive to be just like him. I tell these kids every single day at probably all these schools in this neighborhood, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus in a way because he's calling you to be more like him. He's not saying, I want you to be like Pastor Cofield, Reverend Bell, Reverend Strayhorn. I want you to be like me. He's saying, he's saying this, Justin, that's my name, Justin, I want you to take off some of that stuff that is holding you down. Somebody ain't heard me. Take off some of that stuff that is holding me down. Forget of the things that are behind me. I ain't got it yet, nor am I perfect. You ain't never going to be perfect till you see Jesus. So every single day of your life that you need to strive every day to be like Jesus, pick up that cross. Pick up the cross and go. Every single day. Because somebody in here, that's what the Lord has been calling you to do. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Who? Let me see, about seven years ago, I wouldn't have been in no church on watch night service. Let's be honest here. Let's just be honest. You're here for a reason. And Jesus is telling you, God is telling you today, I need you for somebody. Now, the people who've given their testimony, that's what he's using you for. But when you leave out of here today, I want you to strive to be more like me. So what things do you have in your life that you need to forget about? What things in your, in your, in your life, in your household, those deep down thoughts because although Paul wrote 13 letters in the Bible, he was not perfect. Although Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, he was telling them it's, to be, it's about joy in believing. That's what Philippians is about. But later on, he says what? Philippians 4.13. You don't know it. I won't let you read it as the teachers would say. I want you to read it for yourself. I don't want to give you the answer. Because when we look at Philippians and we look at the letters that he's written, he's telling us and he's, he's writing to these churches so that they can get better. They can get better. Not get worse, but get better. And that's what the Lord is telling us. 2018 is done. We got about an hour almost. So when we leave out of here at 12 o'clock or whatever time we leave, you should have on your heart some things that you are forgetting about and striving towards to be more like Jesus Christ. 
Because there's some things in all of our lives that we need to get rid of so that we can be more like him every single day. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But what I am saying, if you try, if you try, he got you. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says this. In 2019, this is my theme. Walk by faith. You ain't got to stand up, Pastor. But if you just walk by faith and not by sight. I'm, I'm putting it up here, so. No, no, no. You, you were good. I mean, you, you still had seven seconds. You was all right. I was standing up because that was a great point. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Come on, y'all say amen. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to check. I got to change the schedule a little bit because I've got, I've got these preachers here, and I'm trying to hear all, all of the preachers tonight, y'all. That, that's, why, that's why we had 10 minutes because we're trying to hear everybody and everybody. All right, so we're going to make an a, a, a adjustment in the schedule, y'all. No, 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 no singing right now. No singing. <laughs> no, we, we're about 15 minutes behind schedule, unless y'all going to stay after midnight, after we pray. Oh, y'all, some of y'all hollering, nope. <laughs> some of y'all like, you got midnight, Pastor. We're going to pray in the new year, and then we're going to give you that one finger, and we're going to ease on up out of here. Uh-huh. I, okay, see? All right, listen, I'm going to bring up these next two preachers, and uh, hopefully that'll get us back on schedule. Uh, Reverend Shad Como is uh, one of the finest young men you will want to meet. Um, is, is, is wifey here tonight? Where's wifey? There's wifey there. Had a baby, man. We, we, we prayed, boy, and, and she had that first baby. And, and now expecting number two. Yeah, boy. That's what I'm talking about. Add to the membership of the church. That's what I'm talking about. They're talking about the church is in decline all over the country. No, we're going to have some babies. That's what I'm talking about. Biological growth. That's what they call it. Uh, Shad Como is an uh, experienced minister, gifted writer, uh, has written for our devotionals as well as uh, other publications, man, and we appreciate that gift so much, and we've enjoyed his preaching in the past. And then we have none other than our young elder, Elder Dennis Campbell. He is, uh, he, he, br- he brings his cheering section. That's, his mama remind me of my mama, you know what I mean? Just, she like, if, if nobody says amen, I'm going to say amen for my son. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Dennis serves as our Young adult ministry director, he has also worked with our youth and uh, is part of our college and outreach ministry, and we appreciate his gift. Um, I I think we're going to start calling him Reverend Barnabas because he has a gift of encouragement, and and you have to be in our staff meetings. I don't care what's being said. I don't care. You know, it can be getting heated. We can be in a real serious discussion, and, and Dennis will say, you know, I just want to encourage you, brother, because, man, I was really, really blessed by what you did. And we're like, how you do that? Like, all the time. But he has that gift of encouragement, which is a blessing. Amen? It's, it's a blessing. And uh, we appreciate him so much. 
Shad Como's going to come on and preach, and then following him, we're going to bring up Reverend Dennis Campbell. So this is the time of the year that people start to develop New Year resolutions. They involve everything from eating healthier to becoming debt-free. And resolutions, they're, they're okay because they involve uh, a, a deciding to do something, and in most cases, do something better. But, but how many times have we made a New Year resolution not only to have them fall apart, not during the summer, but on January 2nd, you, you resolve to live a healthier life and to, and to exercise, but you're already planning to visit Sugar Rush this weekend. And, and if you don't know what that is, I'm not going to tempt you, but you want to try it. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, you have commitment. Uh, commitment holds more weight than a resolution. Uh, a commitment not only involves a decision to do something, but to obligate to to bind and to entrust yourself in what you're determined to do and actually do it. In other words, a commitment involves actions. And let me see if I can make it a little clearer. Uh, a resolution is when you decide to continue or to complete your education, um, but a commitment is when you stand in the registration line in January and you sit for your final exam in May. Uh, a resolution is when you decide to eat healthier, but a commitment is when you go to HEB, you pass up the Oreos, double stuff, and pick up oranges. Uh, uh, as we prepare, as we prepare to enter this new year, let us not simply resolve to, to do something, but to be committed in those areas uh, that need improvement. So for a few minutes, literally, I want to speak about committing to spiritual growth. Our, our foundational scripture is 2 Peter chapter 3, part A of verse 18, where Peter urged his readers of this letter to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, false teachers were infiltrating the church, trying to lead people astray. And Peter and the other church leaders, they understood that the, the powerful influence of these teachers, therefore, they warned those against those teachers who were trying to twist the truth in order to lead believers astray. So, so 2 Peter was written so that believers would be encouraged and committed to grow in their faith and reject false teaching. So as Peter concludes this letter, he understood for Christians not to fall victim to false teachers. They must be committed to growing spiritually, and that growth must incur uh, must occur in the form of the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The verb grow in this text is the present imperative. In other words, Peter is saying to continue growing. Spiritual growth has no end until the day that we are absent from this body and present with the Lord. So spiritual growth is, is not only for combating false teaching, but it, it, it strengthens our relationship with God. It helps us to love one another, gives us the mind of Christ, helps us to have peace during storms, stand strong in the face of temptations, and it pleases God. So, so these are just a few benefits and results of, of spiritual growth. And if we want to be committed 
to growing spiritually, there are some basic foundational things that we must do. First, committing to spiritual growth involves renewing our mind. In Paul's letter to the church in Rome, uh, he, he said in chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. When we offer our entire self to God, a change happens in how we relate to the world. We are called to a different way of living and thinking, which is possible uh, when our minds are renewed. Our minds, it represents our, our attitude or our disposition reflecting the way we think or how we deal with certain situations. And this isn't a one-time transformation, but daily our minds should be renewed, which shows our commitment to spiritual growth. When committing to spiritual growth, our minds are renewed when we meditate and study God's word. Bible reading drive-bys aren't good enough, but we must consistently feed the spiritual man. There's no way to grow spiritually without absorbing scripture into our thinking. Our minds are also renewed when we realize that God can give us more pleasure than this world can. And we're not afraid to stand up against this world and, and our friends when we see that it's something that goes against the word of God. If our minds are going to be renewed, there are some friends that we must not associate with. If our minds are going to be renewed, there are some places that we have to stay away from. If our minds are going to be renewed, there are some things that we can't watch or listen to anymore. Committing to spiritual growth involves a transformation and renewal of our mind. Committing to spiritual growth also involves confessing our sins. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, I have this area in my lawn where the grass hasn't grown since we moved into our home about three years ago. And it hasn't grown there because it's being denied sunlight. So, so when we deny our sins, we delay spiritual growth. But as we learn to confess wrongdoing, the opposite happens and growth is inevitable. So we exhibit Christian maturity when we are ready to admit and assume responsibility for our failure. You see, our salvation isn't revoked when we have unconfessed sins, but our fellowship with God is disrupted when we fail to admit that we have fallen to his standards. In order to maintain fellowship with the Lord, we must confess our sins, and since we are made of flesh, confession must happen all the time. The good news is, when we do confess, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all uh, uh, unrighteousness. When nothing is hindering our walk with Christ, we can give ourselves fully to the Lord, allowing spiritual growth to take place. If we are to be committed to spiritual growth, we must confess our sins. Right. Lastly, as I sit down and be happy all by myself as I go into 2019, committing to spiritual growth involves repentance. In Peter's sermon at the temple in Acts 3.19, he says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. After confession, repentance should follow. This is more than acknowledging that we have done wrong or a promise to do better. Repentance means that we, we commit to make an about face 
and head in the opposite direction from our sins. We have not committed to spiritual growth if we confess a sin and turn around and do it again the next hour, day, or the week. Repentance involves a decision not to commit a sin again. And yes, it is possible when through the dependence on the Holy Spirit. Has anyone ever asked God for forgiveness of a sin? And, 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 and you know that you were probably going to commit it again, but for some reason you asked for forgiveness because you felt like it was going to please God or, or it gave you some kind of uh, assurance. But, but, but I think we forget sometimes that God knows our heart. And he knows when our confession is genuine and when it will lead to true repentance. Repentance will allow us to grow spiritually and commit to a lifestyle that pleases God as we become all that he wants us to be. So my challenge for us as we enter 2019 is to be committed to spiritual growth. And not just saying that we're going to renew our mind, but commit to those things in order to transform our attitudes and the way that we think. We should also be encouraged to maintain proper fellowship with the Lord by confessing our sins. You know, he already knows what we've done, and he already knows that what we're going to admit to. But, but the Lord, but, uh, confession for us is more so for us, for our spiritual and, and, and mental freedom that we need in order to move forward and to hold on. And when we confess our sins, repentance should follow because without turning from our sins, our spiritual growth will be hindered. So we should always remember that spiritual growth is impossible without the assistance of the Holy Spirit, whom God sent to be our God and our comforter. So if you haven't accepted the Lord in order to have him as the head of your life on this journey to spiritual growth, I encourage you by the end of tonight that you give your life to him in order so, so, so that you can receive the greatest gift of all. And that gift is what? The gift of salvation. God bless you. I do have six, five seconds, but I'm done. All right. I want them six seconds. Man, I didn't want to follow after Shad. Man, Shad, every time Shad comes up, he always has his custom fit suits with the, with the coordination. Praise God for him and his uh, dressing ministry. <laughs> Amen, good hope. I'm so glad to be up here. I know you heard a lot of preaching acrobatics here today, but we're praying that uh, God will use one more preacher here today. Or actually, three more preachers here today. Amen. Amen. I get paid to repeat myself. Has anybody ever felt like that before? I get paid to repeat myself on the phone every single day. I literally repeat the same thing over and over again to different people. I work in insurance. It never fails me. I, I get a call from somebody. I explain to them exact instructions. This is how you do A. This is how you do B. This is how you do C. I'm going to send you an email showing you how to do A, showing you how to do B, showing you how to do C. Two minutes later, they call me. <sighs> Have you ever done that before? Has somebody, you've given them, you sent them an email. It's in writing. 
It shows you that, hey, this is what you should be doing. But they don't, they don't read. Reading is fundamental. <laughs> or maybe it's, 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 it's somebody in their, in their household. Maybe you tell your kids to do the same thing over and over again. Did you, did you study? Uh, did you take a bath? <laughs> did you brush your teeth? Did you do your homework? And it gets you that look. Uh, uh, nah, see, that's too long. You, you, you're lying now. That's too long for you to be thinking, now you're lying. Or maybe you got a, a big baby at home and it's your significant other, right? And you tell them to do the same thing over and over again. Didn't I tell you to put that toilet paper on the roll, roller? My bad. I, am I, I'm, I'm not imitating anybody. Don't, don't, don't come in. And now you're sitting there with the stale face. I told you to do this said given thing with specific instructions. And all you have to do and all you do is repeat yourself. And so you have to ask a question. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? And I have a funny feeling to sneak a suspicion. Sometimes God feels like that about us. Are you listening to me? When you look at the Bible, the, the Bible is a big book and it's a, it's a story about how God saves his people. But the Lord just repeats himself over and over and over again and tells his people to do the same things over and over again. But one thing echoes in the scriptures so many times and it's the concept and the call to love. And it's obvious that this world here today is absent of a lot of love all the way from the president, all the way down here to the pews. So I want to remind us something tonight that God repeats itself uh, from the prophets all the way to Jesus. So I want to talk to you from the topic of how to love the Lord, how to love the Lord. And this focal passage is familiar to most Bible readers. It is the Shema. It is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And so the Shema is a prayer that Jewish people are supposed to say in the daytime and in the evening. And so to say it to show their devotion to God. It's like a double-sided coin, right? He tells his people to listen to him. But in the Hebrew context, listening means to, to do. So you can't give somebody a quarter that just has one side of his face on it. You got to give both sides to it. And so the only way that he knows that you're listening to him is that you actually do it. And so when you look at the text, God is telling him to, to these people to love him with all everything. And so if you want to know how to love the Lord, you must love without any limits. You must love without any limits. I had the confession to make. Um, it was one point in my time of my marriage, I realized I wasn't loving my life like, well, loving my wife like I used to, right? I used to, used to do things, and we used to go out on all-day dates. My Groupon game was strong. <laughs> I was on Groupon. Hey, where we going? Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on, baby. Hey, 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 baby, let me look. Hold on. All right, yeah, we about to go here. We're going bowling, and then we got some ice cream. We got some dessert afterwards there. I used to give her full body massages and just to watch her go to sleep and be comfortable. I used to do 
Um, I used to do so many different things when we were first together. Now, you know, you might get a shoulder rub and then I pass out. <laughs> or, you know, I used to jump out of bed and just be like, oh, babe, can you go get this? I jump out of bed. Now I try to just fake like I'm sleeping. See, when you get fully vested and you start, you, start to, you start to get things, you start having time limits upon things. You used to drive all the way across the city to come see each other, but now you want to go to the corner store and get some gas. And so when you see that, when he tells you to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, he's telling you to love you with all that feeling, all that first-time feeling. All that everything that's in your soul, that thing that makes you get up out of bed, that thing that makes you, makes you want to do extra things for the Lord, that'll have you go and tell somebody else about Jesus, that'll have you go and confess your sins to him. He's telling you to love with all your heart. See, we don't love God with that first type of love that he commands us to, and if we admit ourselves, we are weak-willed. We don't have the ability to love God like, like he calls us to. That's why we must ask him to, love, to help us love him like he calls us to love him. That he is, he is love. That is his character. That is who he is. Now, we're, we're made in his image, but that's not who we are. God is love. And so if we want to love God with everything that we have, we have to go back to the source and ask him to help us. And so in 2019, we should ask God, how to love. He is calling us to do the same thing. He's calling us to love with all our heart. And in the Hebrew tense, it doesn't, the heart and the mind go, go one and the same. That the mind, that's why Jeremiah says the heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can trust it? Scarface will say the mind's playing tricks on you. <laughs> that the heart and the mind go synonymous with each other. That God is telling you to love you with your mind and your heart. And so if you want to love God with every, once you know how to love God, you must love him without a limit. And number two, you must love God, love the Lord, the God, with your whole being. This is a true story. If I sit somewhere in third ward, fourth ward, fifth ward, somebody is going to pass up 11 rich looking people and come to me and ask me for some money. I promise you. I don't know if it's a, a something on my head, forehead that says, oh, brother, you look like you're giving. Jesus, I was like, and so we would actually, this actually after one of the services here, we went to Louisiana Fried Chicken in an area that had a lot of homeless people in it. And so we sat down, and there was a homeless person coming. The manager was telling the homeless person to leave out the store, and there was a, a, a young Angolo man that jumped out like Captain Saver, man. He said, he's with me. <laughs> I'm not saying all oh, Angolo sound like that. I'm just saying this one sounded like that. He said, he's with me, right? And I was like, man. I was like, man, I was trying to help my brother out, but I was like, I felt convicted under the Lord because he was the first one. Like he sat down and he bought him two meals. And I was like, man, he's just, he's helping that brother out. You know, when you're trying to fake somebody out, like you don't see him, you on the cell phone, hello? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, just stay on the phone. Just stay on the phone. Hold on, wait. Trying to avoid him. So I said, man, I looked over to my wife. I said, babe, I'm, I feel convicted. I want to try to help this brother out. Next, the next person coming, I'm going to try to help him out. And so somebody came in, but he rolled in. And I said, I helped him in the door. I was going to give him some, give him, hey, I'll pay for your meal. He said, oh, I got the meal. I, I can pay for that. I just need a place to stay for the night. I want to get a hotel. 
And get, get this. This is just this is you can't make this up. He said, I, there's a there's an end right over here. If you just go over here and we can able to do it. And I said, man, Lord, what are you? Are you, are you trying me, Lord? <laughs> Help me, Father. And so I was like, man, Lord, are you are you talking to me? Are you trying to tell me something? So I, I mean I I, I, <sighs> I was obedient, right? So I went to the ATM. I didn't. I wasn't about to use my card for him, but I went to the ATM, got us some cash, and gave some cash, and hopefully he was able to get a night's stay. But this is the thing: I, I, I'm stingy with my money. I, I'm stingy with my money because that's that's some some type of resources. But what the Bible's saying is, when you love God, you must love Him with everything that you have. You must love Him with no limits. In fact, that Hebrew word for power over there is like very, very much. It's telling you to love God with all your strength. He's telling you to love you with a whole lot. And Aramaic, it translates into to wealth or finance. And some of us in here, we have this thing where we hold on to the money in our pockets. We hold on to our time. We hold on to our resources because we don't think that God is worthy. We don't love God that much. We're stingy with our finances. And we're very being and God is calling us to, to love and the reason why we don't do that is because we love ourselves more than we love God. But God does the exact opposite. God didn't love himself enough to get up on a cross. Jesus Christ came down in human flesh and died on the cross for us so that we could have everlasting life. And so this year in 2019, what must you do to love God more? Maybe it's give up your finances. Maybe it's giving up your time. But if we're going to call and, you know, we need to know how to love God, we must love him without limits and love him with everything in our being. Thank you, God. Pastor Blackman, you know, these preachers are not right. Because they go over time, and as soon as they get me, get, see me getting ready to get up, and Jesus died on the cross. And they're looking at me like, now stand up on Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're going to stand up and sit me down. Stand up. He died on the cross. Go on, get up now, Pastor. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Jesus now. Ah, you're going to stand up on some Louisiana chicken, but you see if you stand up on Jesus. <laughs> Come on, let's thank God for those two brothers sharing with us on tonight. Uh, I, I need some upbeat, concise, on-time music. Because we're going to be praying our way. Now, so that means 10, 20. So I, I need like, like, like a four minute and 58 seconds. But you can't take four minutes. You can't take. You can't take any of that time to come. Come on, come on, come on. Yes, right. Come on, come on, come on in the room. See how the choir does. I, I cut one song, so they just sitting over there like, "Well, we ain't singing tonight since you, since you didn't cut our song. We ain't gonna sing none tonight, and get somebody else to sing. All right." We're cutting our little songs. <laughs> They're going to sing, and following that, we're going to have our two preachers who are going to uh, 
come and, and close out our preachers tonight. Uh, Minister Chris Johnson is one of our newest sons in the ministry. Uh, he is uh, presently enrolled at Dallas Seminary. We have watched him grow in his preaching and teaching ministry as a heart for the community. And as our community liaison minister has helped us to, I think, bridge that gap of relevance that so many talk about regarding the church or the lack thereof. And Reverend Ronnell Peters is a brother who actually I met many years ago, uh, great heart for God, great family man, and uh, watched him in his growth, not just in his ministry gifts, but watched him in his growth as a man, uh, as a brother committed to his family, uh, walked with his wife as she fought cancer, and, and did it with a, 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 just a, a, a tremendous spirit that was an encouragement to all of us who know him and were praying for uh, his wife as well. Um, they're going to come and share following this A selection by the praise team. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Give God some glory right there. Come on, stand up on your feet tonight. How many of you know that there's nobody like our God? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, put your hands together right there. Say this with us. Our Lord, you reign. Nobody like our God. Our Lord, he reigns. Nobody like our God. Say it again. Our Lord, he reigns. Nobody like our God.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Said, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen, amen. God, thank you for this time, and I pray now that you bless the preaching of the word, that you hear, that you bless the hearers of the word, that it will lead to life change in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 As he ascended the scaffold in April of 1968, Martin Luther King was a man at a breaking point. King, who was known for his iconic 1963 speech, I Have a Dream, the same King who was known for his role in the 1955 Birmingham desegregation of the bus system, the same King who was responsible for the 1964 passing of the Civil Rights Bill, this same King was a man who was at a breaking point. And so as he goes into Memphis to advocate for sanitary workers. He is a man who's looking at his ministry and who is at a precipice. Like Martin Luther King, many of us have had life throw us some very difficult circumstances. Like King, many of us have been at a breaking point in our life. But every now and then, God sends a message. God sends a word to us to encourage us just along the way. Here's the question that God has for you. What different will you do in 2019? What are you prepared to not only give up, but what are you prepared to take on so that you can transition into 2019 so that you can walk in the promises of God that he has for you? In our text today, we have a man who's talking about this very same thing. This man's name is Jeremiah. Our text tonight is Jeremiah 29, 11, and I'd like to speak to you from the thought of a word of hope. A word of hope. Jeremiah 29 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity. Plans for a future and a hope. Jeremiah was the most unlikeliest of prophets. The Bible says that though he was raised in a priestly family, he was never really chosen for a priestly service. Yet God chose him to speak to the children of Israel at a time of disobedience. God gave him a word to give to the children of Israel so that he could encourage them along the way so that they could grow and develop in all that he would have them to be. The first thing that God wants you to know in regards to a word of hope is that God's plan has a specific purpose for your life. God's plan for your life has a specific purpose for your life. God has a funny way of taking his plan and using it for your life. He tailor makes his plan so that he can encourage you and develop you along the way. For the senior citizen who has lost their vim and vigor and has lost the mobility of their limbs, God has a specific plan for your life. For the single mother who has struggled and who is struggling to make ends meet, God has a specific plan for your life. For the family who has lost a loved one and who is struggling with grief, God has a plan for your life. For the preacher who is burdened with preaching the gospel and has the weight of the full authority and mantle of God on their shoulders, God has a plan for your life. 
for the praise team singer who doesn't sing in such a high note anymore because the notes of life have turned sour and dim. God has a plan for your life. God will take his plan for your life and tailor fit it so that he can develop you in a specific way. The second thing that God wants you to know is that God's plan is always for your development, not your destruction. God's plan is always for your development and not your destruction. The children of Israel had a very, very sensitive situation going on. They had been told by false prophets that they were to be in captivity only for seven years. God had told them that they were to be in captivity not, 70, not seven years, but 70 years. They listened to this false prophet, and then after the seven years had passed and they found out that they were still in captivity, they met with a despondency that cannot be described. God's plan is always for your development. The bottom's falling out. God's plan is for your development. Bills not getting paid. God's plan is for your development. People have left you and not your friend anymore and they don't support you in the way that you think they ought to support you. God's plan is for your development. As my brother Justin Pounceau said, you had a relationship. Boo broke up with you. Boo left. You don't know where he or she is. That plan is for your development. Church folk who you used to pray with and sing with and enjoy time with, they don't like you in the same way that they used to like you anymore. That's for your development too. God's plan is always for your development. It's never for your destruction. Jeremiah tells the remnant that God is going to take them and develop them and mold them into everything that he would have them to be. God has a plan for your life. That word isn't just for the children of Israel for that time. That word is for you too. God has something that he wants to do with you in 2019. God wants to remold you and reshape you and reboot you and recalibrate you. And he wants to redeem you if you don't know him. If you do know him, he wants to refill you if you do know him. If you don't believe in him, he wants to reintroduce himself to you. God has a plan for your life. He's got a word of hope for you tonight. Statistics would say that the millennial generation is the generation that has the least amount of hope of any generation that we've seen. And I would submit to any millennial in here or any generation Y or Z person in here or any baby boomer, whether you're 8 or 80, God has a plan for your life. Because age is a number, but old is an attitude. God wants to take what you have and Use your pain. God can use no man greatly until he hurts him deeply. Pain is a part of the process. He takes your pain and then he uses it as fuel, spiritual fuel, to engineer you to a place where he can take you and use you to reach others so that in your ministry to others, you will give him all the glory. Because when you give God the glory, he's going to make sure that you get the credit. 
Remember, we're talking about a word of hope. Two things that God wanted you, wants you to know in terms of a word of hope that you can take into 2019. The first word is that God's plan has a specific purpose for your life. The second word is that God's plan is for your development and not your destruction. One thing he wants you to do. The third thing, God wants you to trust him with your future. Look at what he says in the last part of the verse. He says, plans for a future and a hope. God has an expectation of you. God demands more of you. His requirements are set high because he knows that in him you can meet them. God doesn't set low standards for his people. God has much that he wants to do. And so because he has much that he wants you to do, he expects much from you. To whom much is given, much is required. God's expectation is meant to drive you. And if you can trust God with your future, you definitely can trust him with your right now. Somebody in here, God's asking you a question right now. Are you going to trust him with your right now, right now? See, you can't afford to walk out of these doors and not know him. You can't afford to walk out of these doors and not rededicate your life to him. You can't afford to keep living in the way that you've been living and think that everything is going to be all right. I heard a wise man once say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. God has a word of hope for you tonight. And it's my hope and my prayer that his word of hope is something that you will take with you so that you can use it and apply it in a way that will be a blessing to you, a blessing to others, and to the glory and the honor of his name. Amen. Okay, what about now? All right. God, it's my prayer as your word that it would go forth. And as it goes forth, I know it won't return void. May it go forth not in word only, but also empowered in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. In Christ Jesus' name, have your way. Amen. In 2005, one of the original kings of comedy, Steve Harvey, performed at the T.D. Jakes Megafest Conference. And in his introduction, he told his audience, which consisted primarily of of church folks, that he had never done a show before where he had to watch or be careful in what words he was going to use. You see, he was used to being carefree, used to being able to say whatever it was that came to his mind. But he told him because of his history, because of his background, that uh, there is a possibility that a four-letter word or some improper phrase may slip out. And so he preempted them by telling them that just in case you hear a cuss word, I, 
I've already gone to God, and, and God wanted me to tell you, don't trip. He ain't through with me yet. Now, I don't know if Steve Harvey is a believer or not, but what I do know is that the statement that he made is true for every believer in the house tonight. Because the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you were perfected until the day of Christ Jesus. So you ought to be able to turn to your neighbor and say, don't trip. God's not through with me yet. You ought to be able to say to yourself, because some of us trip on ourselves, and say, self, don't trip, because God is not through with you yet. Paul says, he who began. He says, it's God who started this work in you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, man, he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundations of the world. 2 Corinthians, I mean, 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 says that God chose you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. And we know what Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10 says in terms of, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of, as of works, so that no one would be able to boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared beforehand so that we can walk in them. So God has brought you out of the marvelous, into his marvelous light, out of darkness for salvation, not just to sit, but to serve. So salvation is just the start of what God has done, and that's what Paul is saying. God started this work, and the one thing he wants you to know is that, man, God started it, but God's also go finish it. And he says it's a good work. It's a good work. Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. God is interested in giving you life, not the possessions of this world. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about life in him, helping you to understand that, man, what life is really about. Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God, that God is the source of life. That's why, man, you can consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith, that God is doing something, that God is saying, regardless of what you go through, man, I'm here to give you life, that you can still have the joy of your salvation. You can still be able to make it through what you need to make it through because of who he is. He says it's good work. Romans 8.29 reminds us, man, what he's doing is he's conforming us into the image of Christ. So he looks at you and he looks at his son. And he said, I got to make an attitude adjustment. He, he looks at you and he looks at his son. He said, man, I, I've got to make some adjustment in your action, in your activity, because, man, what you're doing is not what my son does. 
What you say is not what my son would say. You know, it, it was a good thing when that WWJD, what would Jesus do? It, it kind of phased out, but the truth of the matter is we ought to be asking ourselves that. What would Jesus do? Because when others see you and when they see me, they, man, Jesus ought to show up. That, that's why the, the scripture talks about, man, that it's our good works that they see, but it's our Father who they glorify. Because we are the hands and the feet. We are the mouthpiece. We are the life that folks ought to see. It's a good work. And he says it's, it's in you. That, that's what he's doing. It's in you, not, not through you, not for you, but, but the work is in you. You know, it, it, it's, it's about our hearts. I'm reminded when, when uh, God told Samuel, when he went to choose the, the next king after Saul, went to Jesse's house, and then he goes through all of Jesse's sons, and, and here's what God had to tell Samuel. He says, man, for God sees not as man sees. Because man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That, that's what God does his work in you is in your heart. You know, we, we, we spend all this time making resolutions about the outward appearance, but man, how many of us want to make a commitment, as Chad said, about an inner man, about an inner woman, about getting closer to God and saying, God, I need you to change me inside and out. Because he wants to do a work in you. Many of you know I'm, I've got a construction background. And, and one of the things about construction, there's, there's always a set of plans that shows you what it all looks like when it's done. You know, we, we've got some road construction going on right before our eyes on, on 288. And many of you, when you look at that, you say, man, that's a mess. Some of you, when you look at that, you said, man, I, I'm frustrated and I'm tired of dealing with this. And others just all together say, man, I'm just going to avoid this altogether. I'm not going to even bother with it. But for the contractor, when, when, when he looks at the blueprints and the drawings that he has that shows him what the end result is going to be like, what you call a mess, he calls progress. What you are frustrated with, Man, he celebrated it as a milestone because he knows his schedule and he knows where he's going. What you would avoid altogether, man, he jumps right in the middle of it because he knows that, man, he can't avoid it. He's got to get it done. It's a necessity in order to finish what he started. Well, God is the construction of our lives. And others may look at us and say, man, you look like a mess. But knowing that God is the one who's working on you, God says, no, we're making some progress. Others may get frustrated with you. But no, God says, no, I, I, I'm working with them. We're going to get to where we got to get. They're making progress. Others may say, man, I'm going to avoid you all together. And I'm just here to tell you tonight, man, that God is committed to faithfully finish what he started. And so you ought to be able to say, but God, but God, but God, but God. But God. But God. 
So don't trip because God's not through with you yet. God bless you. God keep you. Come on, let's thank God for all of these preachers. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank them for allowing God to use them. You know, one of the most difficult things to do is preach with a time limit. Uh, matter of fact, it's easier to preach an hour than it is to preach 10 minutes uh, because you've got to literally consolidate and boil that thing down. And uh, I appreciate uh, them taking that challenge on and giving us some helpful words tonight. How many of you can go home tonight with some encouragement, some hope, some help? And uh, Peter said the process may be messy, but where somebody else sees process and mess, God sees progress. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad he's not through with me yet. Amen. Amen. Everybody who can and everybody who will, please stand on your feet wherever you are. I want to extend an invitation to Christian discipleship tonight. Uh, if you're here tonight and you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. Uh, if you're here tonight, and you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, we welcome you to come and be here with us here at the Good Hope Church. Uh, we won't look at you funny. We'll rejoice when you come because we know heaven rejoices when one comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we sing the song of invitation... Don't wait, don't tarry, dialogue or debate with the devil. Come on and make a step today and say yes to the Lord. be seated. You may be seated. As we get ready to close out this year, uh, I want to encourage you tonight to take a hard look at yourself. 
one of the most challenging things to do in life is to look at yourself and see yourself who you really are. One of the things I've learned in assessment taking is whenever you take an assessment or you work with an organization and you ask them questions and you ask them to be honest with their answers, typically people will tell you who they wish they were instead of being honest and telling you who they really are. And, and that's what we do even in relationships, right? When we meet people, we, we, we tell them who we wish we were or who we think they want us to be instead of telling them who we really are. Because who we really are may be too much for them to take on the first date, right? <laughs> Got to ease them into this insanity, you know what I mean? Can't spring it on them all at one time, right? But there's no time that that's more important than in our relationship with God. When we hear the word of God, when we approach God, when we come to worship, if there's ever a time to be honest, you've got to be honest with God. Now, typically, you know, your spouse will be honest with you, sometimes too honest, right? It's that brutal black coffee conversation, you know. Uh, if you have a real good friend, your friend will be honest with you. They'll tell you the truth in love. Sometimes you'll see people walking down the street and you say they don't have a real friend, right? She, she don't have a real friend. You know, friend wouldn't let them come out like that, right? Come on, y'all know I'm telling the truth. Why y'all acting like I'm making that up? But a real friend will tell you the truth. Especially when... Um, you have some blind spots. Um, psychologists call it Johari's window. It's that part of us that is, is evident to others, but we just can't see it. And when we say we can't see it, it, it sometimes it's just we won't accept it. Because it says something about us that we don't even like about ourselves. And this year, I want to challenge you to make a commitment to spend less time trying to change other people and spend more time asking God to change you. To spend less time trying to find the right person and spend more time working on you to become the best person. Right? Instead of sitting there looking for somebody to fulfill you, why don't you work on becoming somebody that can fulfill somebody else? To say to the Lord, Lord, in the year 2019, I'm not worried about changing anybody else. Lord, I'm just going to work on me. So you can become the best husband, best wife, best father, 
best mother, best brother, best sister, whatever role you play, best boss, best coworker, that you can become the best you can possibly be. And as we pray going out of 2018 into 2019, I want to offer you an opportunity to stand. Those of you who would like to come forward, come on forward and do it quickly. We've just got about three minutes left. I want us to pray this new year in. And I want us to really ask God to do something with us individually. Amen. 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 Come on up. You know, I want to encourage you to, when you ask God to work on you, um, you know, Michael Jordan used to say every, every summer, and great players would say every offseason they would work on an aspect of their game so that every year they would come back with something new that they could add to their arsenal. And I want to encourage you this year to think about and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to work on to add to your spiritual arsenal. uh, To get you closer to being what God wants you to be, to help him complete that work in you, to get you to that place where the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is evident, where you are more filled more times filled with the spirit than filled with your flesh. That that the change would become so evident that even if nobody said anything to you, you could see it in your own actions and say, you know what? I sure have been growing in Jesus. Lord have mercy. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for 2018. Um, For someone under the sound of my voice, it has been a packed year. Uh, For some, it has been a painful year. For some, it has been a profitable year. But Justin told us tonight to forget those things which are behind and strive and press for those things which are in front of us. And God, we know By our own experiences, we cannot grab hold to a blessed future when we are holding on to a painful past. And so, God, I pray right now that somebody would let go. And God, somebody help them to understand that this night, the greatest gift they can give themselves going into 2019 is the gift of forgiveness. I pray, God, for somebody under the sound of my voice to let go of the anger, to let go of the guilt, to let go of the pain, to let go of what has been done and embrace the bright future you have for them because you do have a plan. And that plan includes peace, That plan includes progress. That plan includes the fulfillment of the potential that you have placed in all of us. So keep us on the journey of growing 
and becoming all that you want us to be. God, we say thank you for your faithfulness. Because God, we know as we look back over this last year and look back over our lives, we wouldn't be where we are if it hadn't been for you. God, you kept us through danger seen and unseen. You kept us in our right mind. God, you, you kept us when others left us and forsake us. God, you kept us and we say thank you for that. And God, we pray now as we move forward that we would experience a spiritual reset. A reset in our lives so that nothing superfluous would keep us from focusing totally on you. God, help us tonight to walk in a way that would help us fulfill our potential in you. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us into 2019. God, there were so many that started. They started out this year, but they're not here now. But God, you kept us, and you kept us here for a purpose, for a reason. And so we ask now, God, that you would help us to fulfill our potential in you. Where our prayers have fallen short, we ask you to make up the difference. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Happy New Year, everybody. Come on, greet somebody around you. Hallelujah. Give somebody a hug, a handshake. Hold on, before we leave, we're we all going to leave together. I, we, I'm, we're going to give you the benediction. We're all going to leave together. Hey, unless you're going to get that pot ready for us. Amen. Everybody got their black eyed peas at least soaking? You may not have cooked them yet. You just, no. Listen, let me, uh, let me thank all of you for coming out on tonight. How many of you were blessed tonight? So now I got, I got to tell you all something. I'm, I'm going to apologize publicly to, to, to Reverend Bell because we had four preachers scheduled. And I said, oh, we don't have enough preachers, man. We, we're going to run out of preachers, man. We're going to run out of preachers. We'll be sitting there at 1130 with nothing to do. 
Except talk and pray. That's all we're going to do. We're going to run out of preachers. I hope we got some folk to testify and whatnot. I said, man, we got to ask. He said, you sure you want to ask somebody? I'm like, yeah, man, come on. We got to add two more preachers. I'm sobby. <laughs> Don't trip. <laughs> God's not through with me yet. <laughs> but I, I'm really grateful and uh, thankful uh, I, I like just sitting in church just for a few minutes afterwards because, you know, even though the mayor said don't shoot and everything, everybody gets out there and starts acting a fool and what goes up will come down. And so if I'm going to get hit with a straight bullet, it's going to be right here in the church. They're going to have to come through the roof and hit me right here through everything, right? Uh, but please be careful uh, on your way home, um, however you see in the new year. Um, you know, today, tomorrow, um, I pray that um, God will bless you this year and that you'll have a, a year beyond measure, uh, that God will do some things in your life this year that can only be explained God did it. Um, I, I need some God did it stuff in my life. Amen. Uh, I, need, I need some God did it stuff in my life. And so I'm looking forward to that. Heard from uh, Pastor Sloan. He's in uh, Ghana. They, they celebrated New Year six hours ago. So we, we sent him greetings. And then there's a group traveling in Paris, Brother Jenkins, Brother Ward, his wife, and some of the members. And they celebrated New Year's seven hours ago. So uh, New Year's. You know, I found out something. Anybody know the first country? past the international dateline who celebrates New Year's first? Anybody know? Hmm? New Zealand, Australia? No. First, first country past the international dateline is Tonga. Country of Tonga. Yeah. South Pacific. They celebrate the New Year first. You know, I always thought it would be kind of cool, right? They just be in Tonga, when they celebrate New Year and they just get on the plane and just fly country to country and just, Happy New Year! And then go to the next country, Happy New Year! You know, just get you about 50 happy New Year's in, right? Um, I know somebody looked at me and said, That's strange. That's, I, I just, you know, if you just like saying Happy New Year. All right. Well, listen, um, God bless you. Um, God be with you. Let's pray. And then I'm going to let you go. We're not going to receive an offering tonight. We're going to let you go. And um, Lord says the same. There's a lot of preaching bowls and prayer bowls and things going on. And, man, just, just really start off this year in a way that honors God and gets you on the right track. All right? Let's stand on our feet. Get ready to go down from this place. Father, thank everyone who came out here tonight, our choir, praise team, ushers, sound engineers, operations, and all of these, your people, who came over highways and byways to start off this new year in the house of prayer. And God, I pray that as you see our presence, that you will also see our hearts. God, we're determined to not just end the year right, but to start the year right. And so, God, help us to continue 
our faith walk. Help us to continue to walk out our soul salvation. Help us to continue to grow in you and honor you in all that we do and say. Give us traveling grace, Lord, as we leave this place, but never to leave your presence. May your spirit rest, rule, and abide with us now and forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray that all of God's people say amen, amen, and amen. Happy New Year. Show somebody some love before you leave, all right? God bless you. God be with you.